Pastor Rob had asked me to uh, be part of the service today. And so I asked Caden, what should I talk about? Did he have any ideas? What did he think? And of course, Caden's first response was music. Um, if you don't know Caden, he was a teenager playing the guitar up here. Music is not going to be my first topic to talk about. That would not be something that I would necessarily talk about, although maybe just in praise and worship, not music. So his other suggestions were speak life or power of prayer. And so I asked him, why did he choose those things? What would it be? Why would he choose those two? And he said, it's because it's what I'm always talking to him and his brother about. So at least they're listening. That was good, right? That's good. Um, so I'm not going to talk about power of prayer this morning, although it is very important. And if you want to know more about it, you can always come to Monday Night Prayers. Prayer. But we are going to talk a little bit about the importance of your words, the power of your words, and speaking life. We all know how important words are. We just sang a song talking about the names of God and what they represent and the power of that. Well, it's true not only of just speaking of the words of, or the names of God, but every single word that comes out of our mouth is important. We know the verse, Proverbs 18, 21, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, let's try in the message. It's a little bit different. It's a little more to the point. It says, words kill Words give life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. I am one of those that everything is either right or wrong. It's black or white. There's no gray. It's not necessarily a good thing all the time. My husband will tell you, you know, sometimes there's got to be a little, a little give and take in there. However, when it comes to our words, it's very true. We're either speaking life or we're speaking death. So many times we'll say something, we're like, oh, I was just joking. Oh, I didn't mean that. But the Bible also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it is so important that we guard our words. We guard what comes out of our mouth. Words can make or break any relationship. Ask your family, ask your friends, ask your boss or your coworkers, does it matter what I say? And they would say, absolutely, yes. You can make or break any relationship with what comes out of your mouth. So we have to be very careful with that. So I'm going to give you four different ways, very quickly, promise, four different ways that words are used, that God used words in the Bible that were very vital and very important. So the first one was already talked about, death and life. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 in the Amplified says, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, or vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. Never, never, never. But only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. In our uh, freedom class that we're going through right now, we had... Um, a couple weeks ago, it was talking about blessing your enemies, and the word bless actually is to speak well of. That's very hard. We don't necessarily want to do that, but it is to speak well of them, to speak life to them. Matthew 12, 34, and 35, we talked about already. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, 
brings forth evil things. So it's very, very important what we say. So death and life come out of our mouth. What, another way that God used words, though, was very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. God spoke, and there was life. God spoke, and his words created something. It was creation. He spoke, and there was light. He spoke, and there were fish in the sea and birds in the air. Everything he said, it brought life, and he spoke into creation. But that's also the way for our salvation that it works, because we're, out of, we're supposed to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not what we do with our hands. It's what we do with our words. It's what we do with our heart, the faith that we have on the inside of us. We cannot do enough good works to earn our salvation, and we all know that. But do we really act like that? Do we actually walk that out? It is very important to understand that your words have power, and they are part of that with salvation and creation. So, peace. Let's talk about this one. This I'm going to kind of dig on this one for just a minute. There's a story in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll go back and look at part of it. It says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. This is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. So they're getting into a boat. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, let's think about this scenario for just a minute. Jesus has been talking to the multitudes. Everywhere Jesus went, a crowd followed. They, he had a reputation, right? So they all knew that wherever Jesus was, people are being healed. Demons are coming out of people. People's lives are being restored. He has a reputation. And so people are coming around him. And so he has been ministering, he's been talking, he's been praying for people, healing people, all of these things, and the crowd is there. So they're, they're over by the water, and so finally it's like, we're going to the other side. And so they're going to get in a boat, they leave everybody behind. Now, whether the people were sad about this, whether they were like following along, I don't know, because it does say that there were other little boats around them. So Jesus and his disciples were not the only boat that were out on the water at that time. So they go out, and Jesus goes to sleep. He's been ministering, so this is his moment. He can rest, so he goes to sleep. Well, now we have a storm coming, and it says that the wind is blowing, and the waves are crashing against the boat, and it obviously was not just a normal, small storm. They're fishermen, the disciples were fishermen. They have dealt with storms before. This is not abnormal for them. 
So it had to have been that this was a pretty good storm because they are concerned to the point that they seem to be concerned for their life. And they're asking Jesus, they wake him up and they're like, why are you asleep? Are you not worried? What's going on? Do something. How can you be sleeping in a time like this? Like what's going on? And Jesus just kind of looks at them. You've been, you've been in a storm. You've been with me. You've seen what I've done. I told you we were going to the other side. Do you really think I'm going to go to sleep and just let you drown in the middle of all this? And that's not at all what he was going to do. He was never at any point, was there ever a concern that they would not get to the other side? Jesus said, we're going, we're going. You can believe what he says, right? A little bit of a side note, but believe what Jesus says. If he says you're going, you're going to the other side. But they said, don't you care that we are perishing? It says he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace be still. Do you think it was instantaneous that there was peace? Absolutely. Do you think that there was only peace for the disciples in that boat? Or was there also peace for all those other little boats that were out in the water around them? For all those people that were back at the shore that probably the storm wasn't just over the water. I imagine they're kind of getting a little bit wet out on the shore, on the shore as well. So when Jesus spoke, it didn't just affect right here. He didn't just bring peace right here. It affected everyone that was around him because he spoke it forth. And so we know, and we have quoted the verse so many times, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds by Christ Jesus. Peace we can't understand. He is our Prince of Peace. But so many times we're not willing to speak it out of our mouth. We know it, and I will tell you, to get here to this moment, and right here on this stage, I was speaking some peace over myself, <laughs> but we have to be willing to speak it. We can know it in our head. We can have all of these verses memorized. We can know he is the Prince of Peace. We can know who he is, but we also have to be willing to confess it out of our mouth. We speak peace. We confess peace and the things that he has provided for us. And then the last one is praise. When I was thinking about this, I just kept hearing that song, your praise will ever be on my lips. It's something that we, we sing the songs. See, I managed to get music in here anyway. We sing the songs. We talk about the importance of praise and worship, but it should be something that's continually on our lips. It's not something we leave for Sunday morning for a couple of songs and, oh, I, I'm, maybe I missed the first song because I was running late, but it's okay. They sang it. We're good. I'm coming in or whatever. It should be praise that is continuous. We are continually praising him. Psalm 63.3 in the Amplified says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And Psalms 119.171 says, Let my lips speak praise with thanksgiving, for you teach me your statutes. So what comes out of our mouth is very important, but that means what comes into our ears is just as important. So I could come into service on Sunday morning and I can sing the songs and I can talk about the names of Jesus and I can praise and I can worship, but if I get in my car 
And maybe the music that's coming into my ears isn't quite praising and worshiping God. It might actually affect what comes out of my mouth and my ability to praise and worship God. As much as I have to know the peace of God and speak the peace of God over my situation, I also have to guard everything that's coming in to be able to speak forth truth and to speak forth life. It matters. The things we say to our kids, to our family, all of those words matter, but what's going in matters just as much as what's coming out. We talk about the uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does your heart look like? What are you feeding your spirit man? What are you putting on the inside of you that enables your words to have power? Because the opposite of this is what? We're either speaking life or we're speaking death. It's either fruit or it's that poisonous apple, if you will. What is it? Is this coming out? It all is determined by what you're putting in. So, it goes to the importance of, it's not just a Sunday morning lifestyle. We talk a lot about, there's a lot of life between Sundays. And we talk about our life groups and our worship nights and our moments of community and relationship and building those things because it matters. It's, it's feeding our spirit man. It's feeding that so that then when we need it, when we need to speak forth the truth, we have it on the inside of us. When we need to speak forth peace, We can, and we can do it with authority because we've experienced the Prince of Peace. We have experienced who God is in our life. And so as you are thinking about this, and as you go to lunch today, and you're thinking about the conversations that you have with your family or with your friends or whoever you're with, think about it. Okay, this word was that life or death? And we're not going to analyze and be critical of every single word that comes out of our mouth, but... It is important to know that they're not just words. They're building up. They are shaping the people around you. I can tell you from very personal experience that the words that are spoken stick with you. And so you are either going to shape and build this person and encourage them and build them up, or with that word that was just, oh, I was just joking, that just stuck and they can't get it off of them because it went down deep. That had roots. You thought it was a joke and you didn't, you didn't say anything about it or think anything about it, but it went down deep. And so it's important to remember, words have life, words have power. Speak life and truth in every situation, even if it's a little uncomfortable. For our kids at school, we're always telling them, it doesn't matter what the people around you are doing or saying, If the conversation is not life-giving, if the conversation is not glorifying God, you don't have to be part of that conversation. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Just because it's around you, obviously, doesn't mean that you're going to internalize it, but don't put yourself in that situation. Be the one that's willing to stand up, stand strong, stand bold, and speak forth life and truth to those that are around you. Amen? All right. Miss Emily. Y'all quiet. It's gonna be real awkward having to turn this on, get my notes up and all that. All right, well, good morning. I'm excited to be here and get to share with you guys this morning. Um, I'm gonna be talking to you guys about something that I recently talked about 
um, in COI in our youth in our youth ministry, and it's just something that really um, is really important to me, and I believe is really important for you um, to recognize about yourself or to do a check within yourself, um, just like an inward kind of study of your heart, your life, what it looks like. And this morning, what I'm going to be talking to you guys about is being conformed or transformed. And I know some of you guys probably already know exactly what scripture I'm going to, but just bear with me. Um, I'm actually going to read it <laughs> in three versions. <laughs> so um, I there's like just some different things in each version that I really like. So I'm going to read through these. I have them up on the screen, and there's like some important parts in it that we're going to be pulling out that I highlighted. So first, what I want to start with is the passion translation. Oh, by the way, great job, Pastor Jen. Um, the passion translation, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation, reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. The message version, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, that's an important part, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. There's more. You should go look it up. It's really good. But the New King James, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this morning, talking about being conformed or transformed, I'm going to give you guys a couple definitions. Um, the first one, what does it mean? What is conformed? What does conformed mean? To be similar in form or type or agree with. Transformed means to make a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or character of. Every single person in this room right now, including myself, all the way back in the sound booth, every person is either being conformed to this world or you're being transformed into the image of Christ. There's not an in-between. You're one way or the other. And what I want to do is I'm going to break down this passage this morning and pull some things out of it and um, kind of help us make sure that we're living a life that is transformed. And by no means do I mean a perfect life. Please don't hear that this morning. But are we living a life that is constantly being transformed into who God is calling us to be? Or are we being conformed into who this world, the enemy, wants us to be? So I'm going to pull out. Um, the first part I want to talk about is being a living sacrifice. And it arises a question, why would he tell us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? 
Why do we need to lay our lives down and to sacrifice ourselves, our day-to-day lives? And to me, when I think about it, it must be because there's something about our bodies, there's something about our flesh, that if it is not laid down, it keeps us from worshiping him and living for him the way that he wants us to, the way that he desires us to. We have to lay down our flesh. And being a living sacrifice is a choice. When you're living, you can get on and off of the altar. You can get on and off of the altar of laying your life down day to day. It's a choice to choose to lay your life down. And God wants us to choose him by being that living sacrifice. A dead sacrifice just lays there, but doesn't accomplish anything. It's a sacrifice, but it doesn't accomplish anything. You have to be living and active, right? to accomplish what it is that God has for you. And I think that's why that, that, that term was used, living sacrifice, because it pointed to making the choice to do that. Paul describes, I'm jumping um, to another part in Romans, but he describes how our bodies can be wrecked by sin. Our lives, our flesh can be wrecked by sin. And that those who are conformed to this world, those who aren't living as living sacrifices, what that looks like, and um, it's pretty intense, really. Um, Romans three thirteen through 18, and this is in Passion, says their words release a stench like the smell of death, foul and filthy. Deceitful lies roll off of their tongues. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Bitter profanity flows from their mouths, only meant to cut and harm. They're infatuated with violence and murder. They release ruin and misery wherever they go. They never experience the path of peace. They shut their eyes to the awe-inspiring God. There's another version that says there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is why it's so important that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Because if not, what I just read equals us, right? Maybe not every single part, like the violence and murder. But parts of it in the scripture, if we do not lay our lives down, That's what we end up looking like when we're being conformed to this world. And I know that most of us in here don't relate to literally every single line of that passage, but do you find yourself in any of it? I want us to think about that this morning. And when I thought about it, there were parts that I was like, oh, dang, like maybe I need to check that. So I'm not saying this from a place of like, I got it all together. What about you? Let's all think about it this morning. Do we see ourselves in any of it? I want to use, I'm going to use the example of words, which is great because Pastor Jen just talked about words, but it said in that passage, their words release a stench like the smell of death, foul and filthy, deceitful lies roll off of their tongues, the venom of a viper drips from their lips, bitter profanity flows from their mouths, only meant to cut and harm. If we took a look at the words that come out of your mouth, the things that you say day to day, what would we find if we looked at some of the things that roll off of your tongues? There's people all over the world, nobody in here, all over the world who call themselves believers, but when they're not around church people, their mouth or their actions represent everything but that. The Bible says, just like Pastor Jim was talking about, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I find it really hard to believe that if we are full of the things of God, that the things coming out of our mouth don't match it. 
It, it doesn't make sense based on what this said because it means that what's in our heart's going to come out of our mouth, right? And we walk around, like I said, nobody in here. We walk around like saying we're Christians, Jesus lives in my heart, but what's coming out of it represents everything but that. And this is going to sound kind of harsh, but Jesus doesn't want to be represented that way. It actually pushes people away from him. So I could talk about that for like a real hot minute. So I'm not going to, I'm going to just move on from the words. Pastor Jen already did it. <laughs> and my heart is not to condemn this morning. My heart is for us to just take a look at what our lives look like. And words are just one example. But I'm going to move on past the living sacrifice. And let's get to the part where it says holy and acceptable. Holy um, in Greek is the word, look, don't make fun of me but it's like hagios, hagias, something like that. Um, and that means sacred. It means set apart for particular use or set apart for God. Only a sacrifice that is holy and set apart for him is acceptable to him. He can't use your one foot in and one foot out lifestyle. He can't use your one foot in, one foot out sacrifice. He can't use your Sunday morning, but not throughout the week sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. And then let's move on to the next part. It raises a question, why do all of this? What's the point in laying my life down? What's the point in living that holy lifestyle? And it sounds like a lot of work, right? Because obviously our nature before Christ is to be sinful. And so those are things that we have to work on. So what is the point? And it's our reasonable service, it's our genuine expression of worship, which was in one of the other translations. Out of all of the things that Jesus has done for us, everything that he's done, continues to do, and will do, it's only reasonable, right, for us to be living sacrifices and worship to him. It's only reasonable. I was talking, I think it was my brother the other day, and I, I told him, I was like, I don't need any other reason other than what Jesus did for me, for me to live my life for him. It's reasonable. It makes sense. It's like, duh. Right? Like, after all that he's done for us, why not live a life for him? And it, it, to me, I know that y'all know this, but worshiping him, living a life devoted to him, it's not just a few minutes before service. It's a lifestyle of giving ourselves to him day in and day out. And like I said, I know that doesn't mean that we're all going to be perfect, right? because that's impossible. It doesn't mean perfection, but what are, what are we even trying to do, right? Are we even trying? So when you self-reflect, are you living a life that's conformed or transformed? One translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. I think sometimes it happens and we don't even realize it until we look back and say, how did I get here? But you got there because you weren't making the choice every day to not get there, if that makes sense. Um, so are you being conformed to this world? Are you being squeezed into the mold of this world? We're not created to masquerade as people of this world. We're not to be a victim of this world. We were created to be transformed. And the word transformed in Greek is metamorpho. I did look up how to pronounce that one. Metamorpho. And it means to change into another form, to transform, to transfigure. And basically what it boils down to is metamorphosis in English. 
So we all know, hopefully, that metamorphosis is where it starts with a caterpillar and it completely transforms into the butterfly, right? I believe, I know, that we all need a spiritual metamorphosis to take place in us where Jesus on the inside of us shines through so much that people don't even see us anymore. They just see Jesus because we have been transformed by him living on the inside of us and by us obeying his word and by us choosing to lay our lives down on that altar day in and day out. In order for us to do that, we have to keep our lives right there on that altar. And so I want to give you guys quickly five ways that you can be transformed. And obviously these aren't all the ways, but these are five ways you can be transformed. And the first one... Y'all probably already know I'm going to say it, but the word of God. You see in the word of God that Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated temptation with what? His word. Anytime the devil came against him, he defeated him with his word. And I believe that we go through seasons where sometimes, I mean, we should be in the word every day, but I remember going through seasons where sometimes I needed to wake up and read the word and I needed to go to bed and read the word in order to be able to stand on it throughout the season that I was going through. But the word of God, it's the number one thing, and it's so important for us to live a life that is transformed. Number two, and Pastor Jen just talked about it a little bit, but I wrote this like in a way I would say it to COI, so sorry, but get rid of the junk and replace it with the things of God. So that could be the things that you're watching on TV. That could be the music that you're listening to. And it doesn't even have to be like a fictional TV show. Some of y'all need to like take a step back from who you're getting all your news from. Whether it's social media, TikTok, whatever it may be, what is the junk that is crowding up your mind, that is crowding up your heart and keeping you from being able to live that transformed life? Number three, this one's really important. Check your friendships and check your relationships with just people around you. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I say it to our students often, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And it's true for any age. Who do you spend your time around? Who is pouring into you? Whose words are you taking in? It's really important that we pay attention. Are they words that give life or are we around people who are speaking death or poison over us? It's important. And I know there's the, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, but when he left, the sinners were changed. He did not leave looking like the sinners. So until you can do that, and if you can, that's awesome. But until you can do that, check who you're spending your day-to-day with. Number four, get in church. And obviously you're here, okay? Get in church, but don't just attend, get involved. How many of you are on a dream team and can say that it has helped you live a more transformed life by being a part of a dream team? Exactly. I'll just move on because of that. Number five, Join a life group. I'm putting a plug in there. Putting a plug in there for the life groups because they're so important. Life groups are our groups that we have, if you're a first-time guest, just throughout the week where we just gather as a church body in smaller groups. They're small groups, but we call them life groups. We gather together and we get in the word. We spend time in fellowship with like-minded people. That's the key. But how many of you in here, your life has been changed from being around a life group? Exactly, same thing. It's so important who we fellowship with. It all can really boil down to the number three, check your friendships and relationships. But get involved. Don't let this just be a thing that you come to on Sunday, say hi to a few people, and leave. 
Get involved, get plugged in, get around people. They're going to build you up. They're going to pull your gifts out. They're going to put you on the right path. It's so important to living a transformed life.